Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. In fact, ideas shape markets, and they can change the world, especially when we bring together thoughtful leaders, compassionate leaders uh, who care about their industry. Uh, you can find many of these conversations at sageconversations.com. Uh, but today, what I'm excited about is we're in the risk, resilience, and security industry. And when I think about risk, resilience, and security, and, and these shared values that go across the industry, I think of Jeff Slotnick. Uh, Jeff has been 28 years as an enterprise security risk consultant in many different variety of episodes. Uh, he's a credential lead auditor in ISO, ISO standards. He, when I first met him, he introduced me to some of the, the key standards that were influencing the marketplace. And uh, Jeff, great to have you here today. Thank you, Ron. I really appreciate the opportunity to spend this lovely Friday afternoon with you. Well, you know, don't, don't let it be time-based because they could play this 20 years from now on a Monday and go and be very confused. Well, it'd still be afternoon wherever they are. <laughs> it's, still, it's, still, it's still five o'clock no matter where they are, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Jeff, um, here's what's foremost on my mind. Again, and this is the segue from your work in standards and developing the industry, 28 right. years. And uh, I know, this is me now, I'm not going to put this on you. I know that I have 40 years in business and my greatest weakness, my scotoma, my blind spot, is actually when I think I know it all after 40 years in business. And I have to be sensitive to that what I learned yesterday may not get me to the right solution, the right perspective tomorrow. So I'm kind of intrigued. We're at this inflection point. We've had four months of pandemic and social unrest. And I'm kind of interested, are we starting to see the beginning of a change in how security leaders like you think about their programs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, the, the realization that's going on presently on the lack of need for brick and mortar and that people can actually be productive uh, from a, a more local environment, uh, not necessarily in the office, that the state of our industry through, you know, early things like, you know, Facebook into meeting platforms like Zoom and Teams and, and Ring and, and others, where we can actually have a live conversation where you can judge emotion, you can see faces, uh, and you can hold a great conversation uh, with somebody in a totally different part of the world or uh, in the office next door. You know, it's, uh, it, it's it really, it's, a, it's a, a meeting point in time you know, that we've, we, we've got to where we are. And, you know, I know prior to this event, um, I used to do a lot of conferencing because I have friends and uh, especially with some of the ISO work, you know, uh, four o'clock in the morning here is 10 o'clock at night in Australia, you know, and so it, it makes sense to utilize communication platforms like this because, you know, you can't just up and fly to Australia for a meeting. Uh, but now that it's more generally accepted in society and we can hold productive meetings in this fashion and we're learning how to change our paradigm on what a good meeting should look like and how we interact. 
uh, I think uh, this has been a, a great change uh, in, in our industry. People performing roles in a process using tools or technology. Um, you and I have been talking about that concept for quite a few years now. We've, and you've brought up Deming so many times uh, yes. that they should know who he is by now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so now let's change things. Let's go okay. back to our methodology of unraveling a business process, otherwise known as a security business process. Right. Let's start thinking about something. 30% of the workforce is going to be working at home, generally. Right. We, so that creates a new threat landscape. We have the notion that sickness, sorry to be provocative, sickness could be a dangerous weapon. So we may have a new way of looking at the perimeter before someone's allowed in to touch my other people and right. therefore my business process. Uh, new, new technology to possibly help the CSO working in a remote location around the world and also understanding at any time, real time, what the risk condition looks like, even if they are at home. Right. Interesting. You know, you can talk about privacy all day long. I don't want to go there right now. How are you going to help security leaders get a handle on this and pull it all together so they actually have purview like they've had before? Well, you know, um, interesting because the model is already there. Um, you know, uh, anybody that has done uh, a risk assessment for a high net worth home, uh, anybody that has been in, uh, involved in crime prevention through environmental design um, should be very familiar with the concepts needed to harden a homework environment. Uh, and, you know, and, but the first thing is understanding what are we hardening from, you know, because there's, you know, when we're in a structure like an office building where there's many people, there is greater risk uh, because somebody knows where everything is located. You, you understand what I'm saying? If, you know, if you look at some of the workplace violence events we've had in the past, you know, uh, we know where everybody was at that we wanted to target. When we're operating virtually, well, that's more dispersed. So my, the attack has to be more targeted towards a specific individual, which means that in companies that are going to be having this disparate workplace, really what you're going to need besides hardening the homes is having a great intelligence system with your, within your organization to identify through social media through emails, through letters, through contacts, through other forms of media, that somebody may be targeting a critical individual or any individual uh, within your organization. Uh, so what's going to happen is our protections are going to have to start with a good intelligence uh, apparatus to understand when the threats are present. Once we understand the threats, then we can work on what to harden for. Mm. So this means possibly new technology that has to emerge for you to really get your handle around it that way? Well, think about it. I mean, when everybody's co-located in one location, my threat 
is the enterprise. When I'm dealing with distributed people, now I've got to deal with 50 or 100 individual threats. The good news is organizations like OSAC uh, and folks that are deployed overseas, they may work in an embassy, but they generally live within the community. So the model for that threat apparatus already exists. I see. But what's going to have to happen is that apparatus is going to have to be rolled out in steroids and you're going to have to have more intelligent means of collecting and collating that threat data so that it's realistic and timely uh, and there's not a lot of time lag there. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, here's what I've heard at two points in this conversation so far. High net worth and influential people associated with an embassy. Right. So what you're, what you're saying is this has to go mainstream. Absolutely, because now we're all high net worth. Right. Because we all have intellectual property. We all have uh, exposure to the, the heart of the organization. Uh, we may be working on a research project or a critical design or some aspect of the business, but when everybody has a piece of that and then that information is distributed, it makes it an easier target in the long run. This is interesting because I can imagine you get involved in a lot of assessments. We're going to need, you can't be everywhere. You can't be at a thousand employees' homes. So you're going to need some kind of virtual risk assessment tool that can be democratized in this mainstream moment, right? Which will probably be a kind of a hybrid shared responsibility of the home worker and that technology to get the right information so the organization can protect them and their families, whoever's living in their home. Sure. I mean, the, the, the physical security side is easy. We all know what a secure door looks like. We all know what a secure environment is. We all know that if you're gonna have a deadbolt on the door, you can have a half inch deadbolt, or you can have a three inch deadbolt, depending upon the security level of your facility. But you're right. I mean, I've gotta consider my family. I've gotta consider who else is co-located with me uh, because they could be a victim of somebody who's intending to uh, come to me to gain information or to do me harm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be several things. It's going to be a, an analysis of the physical landscape of where an employee is working from, um, as well as having that great analytical apparatus up front that signals somebody that, you know, uh, there's some chatter out there. Uh, there may be a threat that can involve you and, and right. getting that information out. And that may lead to deployment of other assets. I mean, if it was significant enough, maybe having a guard force or increased police patrols or anything of that nature uh, uh, based on the information that comes in. Well, I'm even thinking, especially since so many companies and company employees seem to be targeting, targeted these days, I'm thinking of all those workers, say, in downtown Seattle who are now working from their condos or their apartments or their homes in, in the midst of social unrest. And uh, I'm just wondering if the home systems can harden the home to the degree we need them hardened to protect, again, the enterprise and its manifestation at the employee's home. 
Well, you know, it's, it's several things. I mean, if you're talking about the IT environment, it's very easy to have a device with no data on it. And that data is located behind a VPN and a secure server that's in another location. So, you know, even in my environment, you can take my laptop, you can take my iPad, and all you get is a laptop or an iPad. You don't get any of the information of the data uh, that's on it because there isn't any. The data is in the cloud somewhere. So, I mean, that's, that's an easy one. But as far as physical hardening, yes. But the, the greatest issue is also the greatest success. Because now I have to, if I'm a determined adversary, I have to determine who it is that is in possession of what I want and be able to isolate that individual from the rest of the corporation or the rest of the enterprise. That's not so easy to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What other thoughts besides uh, during the pandemic that's affected uh, even the security consulting field, the field you're in, as you talk to you and your peers, because you have a very collegial relationship with your other frenemies, if you will, your other consultants out there in the field. What's going on right now? How has it changed the way they're doing business? Well, you know, there, there's several phases to an incident. There's the onset of the incident and what we do to immediately respond. There's what do we do to get through the incident? And there's looking at the future, what's new normal going to look like? And I think where a lot of my colleagues are at now is we've passed the initial onset uh, we are dealing with the current situation, but people are looking at what's new normal look like. How are we going to reintegrate uh, people back into the work environment safely? Uh, how are we going to continue our operations uh, in a manner that is safe for our employees to return and that we're doing the right things for folks and that folks want to come back to work because it's not a hazardous environment? So that's where a lot of my colleagues are at today. The good news is, is there's a lot of work that's been done on that. Uh, one of the things that I, was rec I recently became aware of about, about four weeks ago is a, uh, a best practice that Johns Hopkins University put together out of their medical department. They actually have a, uh, a C-19 risk assessment uh, that you can do. And based on your scoring with the risk assessment, gives you some uh, protective measures that you can put in place to minimize your risk. It's, it's a very comprehensive document. Interesting. Is that public domain? It is. I can, you, I can send you a link to it. Yeah, do me a favor and the community. I'll, uh, if you have that link, I'll put it on our resource page so other community members can access it. You bet. I've actually forwarded it to several of my clients. You know, no, no reason to recreate the wheel when somebody's already done the work and it is a respected institution. Right. Uh, other things, as you look at the industry overall, um, any, any predictions for um, innovations that you see coming out of this? Wow, Ron, I mean, we could talk about all that for another, another several hours. I mean, absolutely what we talked about earlier, we're gonna need innovations in, in uh, in risk, or excuse me, in threat assessment, uh, which will lead to, to risk assessment. But man, I'll tell you, this industry is in such a rate of change. You know, things that you and I talked about eight, 10 years ago are a reality today. And, you know, one of the, one of the biggest areas that 
I had an opinion on since I came into this industry was how we utilize information generated by physical security devices to be predictive as opposed to reactive uh, in risk. And I think we're almost there. I think we're getting to the point that uh, not only with integration in physical security systems, but also integration in building management systems, because we use a lot of the same technologies. Whether we use a PIR to detect a human presence in a room for security purposes, or we use a passive infrared indicator to determine when somebody's in a room to turn on the lights and the heat, uh, it's the same technology. What the difference is, is those systems are not necessarily conjoined and they're not providing, you know, they're, because they're disparate, we can't reap the benefit of the analytical information that both of those systems are producing for good decision-making and great awareness. Mm. So I think we're getting closer and closer to true plug-and-play integration, um, which, which I think is going to be a major, major step forward for this industry. You know, we, we started out with no integration and all these things being standalone devices. I mean, as recent as 12 years ago. Uh, then we got into the world of the PSIMs. Uh, and, you know, as you know, my opinion on that, they were, they were a middleware. Now we're in the, what I call the, um, the uh, uh, collaboration stage where different organizations are collaborating around a single standard uh, for market share. Uh, there's going to come a time with millennials entering the market, with young professionals bringing their ideas to the table, that there is going to be a demand for plug and play integration in this industry. Look at, look at what we're doing. You and I, right now, I am on a Windows computer. You could be on an Apple computer. You could be on your Xbox uh, attached to the internet and we're holding a Zoom conference. So our Zoom conference is a central platform that's bringing in four or five different technologies. I'm using a Logitech camera. I don't know what kind of camera you're looking at, but we're both communicating and we're here. But we can't do this with physical security systems today. We, I can't take cameras from three different manufacturers, put them on a common platform and look at all of them simultaneously but I can do it here. And, and I think that this is where the industry is going, is going to change. Uh, it's going, whether it wants to or not, it's gonna be forced kicking and screaming into the future, which is going to mean true integration, true plug and play of physical security devices. And what that is going to lead to are new data sets, new analytics, machine learning that is going to drive predictive risk analysis instead of reactive risk analysis. Well, I've always said that uh, the best way to get to machine learning, it starts with a simple step called interoperability. So until we get that right, we're gonna be less efficient on the machine learning. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, Jeff, a couple things then. We've got the resources. Uh, you're, you're gonna send me that link. I'll get it on our resource page. Uh, anything else that we wanna put on that resource page that you might wanna provide to the community? Well, you had talked to me about what I'm reading and what I've read that has been very important to me. And as you know, I'm an old Deming guy. I, you know, I, I really love W. Edwards Deming. But there have been two other things that have really been influential to me 
uh, one through my, my military career as well as my uh, career in the civilian world, which is now long, much longer than my military career was. Uh, and that was General George S. Patton. General George S. Patton uh, was an amazing guy. And here's a little book that, that I keep right on my desk, all right? And it's called the uh, Patton's One Minute Messages. And he's really got some neat things. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things, uh, and the title of the book is Tactical Leadership Skills for Business Managers. And, you know, he was so far ahead of his time. Uh, one of the things that, that resonates with me most uh, is he had a statement. He said, never tell a man what to do. Tell him what your expectations are and let him surprise you with their ingenuity. Right. Uh, that's timeless. Uh, the, other, the other one he said, and this is more tactical, is no war was ever won from a swivel chair. <laughs> and what does that mean? That means you've got to get out. You've got to walk around. You've got to see what's going on. You've got to talk with people. You've got to get out on the shop floor. You have to walk around the office. You have to listen. And by doing that, you learn. You get firsthand information. You get the ability to put your hands on things and see what reality is instead of getting filtered information. And there was another great purveyor of this, and that was President Lincoln. And that's the other book I really like is Lincoln on Leadership for two reasons. One, Lincoln, uh, President Lincoln had a cabinet full of adversaries. And, you know, one of his reasons for doing that was... I don't want to be in an echo chamber. I don't want to hear people that are echoing exactly what I think. I want to hear divergent thought to help me in my decision-making process. But Lincoln, uh, during the Civil War, he would ride with his escort to the front and meet with General Ulysses S. Grant and talk to him personally right there on the battlefield and ask him how the war was going. Uh, Getting out there and knowing what's going on, putting your hands on things, getting a sense of what reality is, and not having to live through filtered information, uh, I, I think is critical to anyone's success. So those are the two things uh, that have influenced me. Uh, and like I said, Patton's one-minute messages uh, sits right on my desk. Uh, I'm, I'm always, I'm always looking at that. So Patton's one-minute messages. You got that's it. Correct. Uh, All the, right. I can tell you the author is uh, Charles M. Province, P-R-O-V-I-N-C-E. You got it. And then this is a round table. This community belongs to the people who've invested in it, like Jeff Slotnick and many others. Uh, so, Jeff, who do you want invited to the round table you can learn something from? Oh, my gosh. Uh I, I haven't even thought about that one. Uh, there's so many great minds out there. Um, or it could be uh, one of your case studies you've been working on with one of your clients that we should invite them into a great conversation about what they're up to. I, I think that might be a good idea. I could probably recommend a couple of good people, but I will tell you that um, I've been looking at a lot of the globalists lately because we're no longer a sheltered society we are impacted by things that are happening globally. And, you know, I, I read news two, three times a day, but it's not Fox and CNN. I'm, I'm reading Reuters, I'm reading Al Jazeera, I'm reading the BBC, 
uh, and, and sometimes the AP uh, and the Wall Street Journal, but that's how I get my information. So uh, on my Twitter feed and in so several other areas, I've connected to some of these global thought leaders, these globalists on uh, what they're doing and what their view of things are. And uh, it'd be interesting to invite some of them to the table. Well, if you've connected with him, uh, do an email intro and we'll get on it. All right, Ron. Thank you. Jeff, this has been a great conversation. Thank you again for your commitment to the industry and, and also to the community. I appreciate it very much. You're welcome, my friend. Have a great day.